Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning, good morning, Life Church. How are you doing? I missed you. How are you doing? Man, how's your mama? I'm just checking in, y'all. Last time I was not able to be here with you, we were doing the online jam, but it is so wonderful to look you in your eyeball. Some of you, you're turned to sideways, so I'm looking you in your ear hole right now. This is great. I love you. By the way, I came this time with my lady, y'all. Hey. Good morning. It's so good to be here. We feel like family every time we come. We love it. Well, we live in Daytona Beach, Florida. We have two boys, Israel and Isaiah Griffin, and um, they are 19 and 16. One is 6'1", and the other one's 6'9". So they eat two dinners, so pray for us. <laughs> but um, they send their regards. They had a busy weekend, but I got to come, so I was so excited. And we had to represent Pastor Sean and Pastor Sonny gifted us. <laughs> Go Packers! <laughs> but thank you. I'll be in the back of the lobby. I'd love to meet you all and say hello. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, baby. She's my lady, lady, your love is the only love I need, and beside me is where I want you to be, cause my love is all I want you to know, you're the love of my life, you're my lady. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while, put on a jam. I'm trying to help church growth. In case you didn't catch it, my name is Alan Griffin. That is my bride, Hush Marine. And we are uh, ministers that travel all over the, the, the nation, around the world. And we have the best job ever. We get to tell people about the great and amazing love of God. And your pastors, Pastor Sean and Pastor Sonny Hennessy, have opened up uh, you as our nephews and nieces spiritually to hang out today. So grab your Bible, because this is about to be fun. Turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, because we're going to take uh, an epic journey of biblical proportion. This is going to be awesome, and I'm going to, and you're going to giggle a lot as we talk about today, I am restored. I am restored. If you're here and you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and one of our wonderful helpers will give you a Bible. If you are watching right now on our uh, online stream, we are so grateful that you are here. If you're watching in the Brown County Convec uh, 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 Brown County Corrections Facility, we love you. 
thank you for type, typing, type, swiping, tapping in to join us today. You are stinking awesome and we love you. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. If you're there, say, let's go. If you're not there yet, say, hold on now. Okay, you need to hurry up. I'm already thinking about some more coffee in that lobby and getting high on coffee. Here's what we'll do. Um, out in the lobby, you can grab some of our ministry tools. You can meet, Hush Marine will be out there and I'll be out there. I'll hug every single one of you. If you don't want to be hugged, run for your life because I'm hugging everybody out there. It's a little bit sweaty, so it's like a sweaty brown hug, okay? I missed you. It's been too long, okay? So you getting hugged. You getting hugged, all right? But you can also grab some of our ministry tools. Um, I've got a series back there that I believe will bless you. It's called The Empire Strikes Back. And what it means for worship to lead the way into us changing our world. It's so cool because your worship is more than a song. And this message shares about that. You can pick that up back there. Also our best-selling book, Undefeated, A Living Life in Supernatural and Spiritual Victory Every Single Day. Whether you're brand new to Jesus or you've been serving God your whole life, you can live in victory. Bam, that's what I'm talking about. Just wait, I got your back. And then um, we brought a new t-shirt. I love this t-shirt. I call this the Sunday school shirt. Some of y'all wearing your PJs today. I love that. I'm so glad. I wish I got the memo. Pastor Sean didn't tell me. I could wear PJs, but guess what he gave me? That's right. I used to be a Detroit Lion fan, but we're owing a thousand. I'm selling them out, son. Thank you, baby. I got your back. But I brought a t-shirt. I, I love this shirt. It reminds me of Sunday school. When I was a kid growing up, we used to sing a song. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So I made a shirt about it. It's real simple. It just says Jesus and all the little colors of the world. It's just Jesus. You know what America needs right now? You know what the government needs right now? Do you know what the IRS needs right now? They don't need my money. They need Jesus. <laughs> I've got me out an extension. Don't lie. Okay, so, and then on the back, it's my favorite, it says unity, because wherever Jesus is, we all come together, and America needs a lot more unity right now, and that's why we're here. There you go, white chocolate. That's my doll. Well, I'm ready to preach. This is fun. Bob Lenz, I love you. Founder and visionary leader of Life Fest, music festivals, the Dignity Revolution. Will you wave at everybody right now? You're a beast for the kingdom of God, and I'm grateful for you. Amazing man of God. Kicking devil butt. Can you say that in Wisconsin? Kicking devil butt for Jesus. I love that. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Here we go. The Bible says this. Then one of the Pharisees, that's a religious leader, asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Num, num. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. Mm-hmm. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. That's weird. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. He was talking to himself, y'all. And he said, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Tisk, tisk. 
And Jesus answered him and said, Simon, Jesus read the boy's mind. Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Jesus said, there were a certain creditor who had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii, the other just 50. When they both had nothing through which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me now, therefore, which one of them would love him more? Simon answered and said, I I suppose the one he he forgave more. Then Jesus said to him, you've rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water to wash my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, mm, the same loves little. Then he said to her, girl, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with Jesus began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, I pray this morning as we learn about your restoration (laughs) that you would show us and lead us into the the divine order of your restoring. Father, I pray that we would see it and experience it today. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. 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 Today, for just a little while, I want to talk about I am restored. And when I talk about restoration, I can't help but notice in this story in the Bible, this story got some hair in it. This is a hair story. So I thought today would be really interesting for us to talk about hair. Mm -hmm. Some of us have a lot of it. Some of us don't. Some of us used to have it, but it's running away from our forehead back here. Some of us don't have much, so we add other people's hair to our hair. I always heard the statement, if you can't achieve it, weave it. If you can't do it, glue it. Girl, if you can't grow it, go ahead and sew it. You know what I'm saying? But as I was looking at this, I noticed something. This is the first time anyone in the Bible ever used hair as a worship tool. They used, someone used their hair to worship God. And whenever something happens in the Bible for the first time, study it. Because the first time is always important. It's always important to study the first time something takes place in the Word. Even in your life, remember your firsts. They're valuable. And in this particular situation, with the story of this woman, we note that hair is absolutely, fantastically interesting. Did you know your hair has a life cycle? Did you know that? Your hair is alive. Look at your neighbor and say, it's alive. Now, hold on. Your period, your your hair has a period of life cycles. It has a period of growth where it grows out, of of, of stagnation where it doesn't move, of falling out or death, and then hibernation where your follicle literally goes to sleep for a while. Some of y'all are like, wake up, wake up right now. All your hair has a life cycle. And here's what I learned. I learned that your hair is not all alive. Only part of your hair is alive. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you plucked a hair out right now, just the part, just the millimeters above your scalp, that's the only part of your hair that's alive. The rest of your hair is D-E-D, can't afford to A, dead. 
dead. Isn't it funny how much money, ladies, we spend trying to make something dead look like it's alive? <laughs> the next thing I learned is this. Your hair is important. Okay, everybody say this. My hair is important. Matthew chapter 10, verse 30 says this, that God has even numbered the hairs on your head. That it says the very hairs of your head are all numbered by God. Do you even know how many hairs you have on your head? Think about it. How many hairs do you think you have? He's like, none. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. We'll pray for you after church. Um, I'm just kidding. He's happy. How many hairs do you think you have? Just throw out a number. What do you think? Cute little peanut. What do you think? A hundred thousand. That's really good. You know what? You're really close. Do you know the average person has exactly a hundred thousand hairs on their head? You're a genius. She messed up my whole sermon, Sean. It's supposed to be confusing for people. She just jacked me right at the beginning. Where are the brunettes? Brunettes, wave at me. Brunettes. You're awesome. You average 108,000 hairs on your head. Yeah, cheer. You did good. Redheads, where are you at, redheads? Redheads, make some noise. <laughs> They're always like, ah! You average only 90,000 hairs on your head. Isn't that interesting? Because you got some potency, man. Do you know most redheads don't turn gray? Now you have another reason to not like the redhead in your life. Okay, blondes, where are you at, blondes? <laughs> yeah, blondes, I love you. You average 140,000 hairs on your head, and you need all of them. <laughs> you might just float away if this. Okay, I got a, I got a great, terrible joke. Um, a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead um, went hiking, and they camped out in the, in the woods, and, 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 and they said, listen, we're just going to hunt for our meat. We brought vegetables and stuff, but we're going to hunt for our meat every day, and so the first day, the brunette went out hunting, and, and within a few hours, she came back with rabbits, and the girls were like, girl, where'd you get all those rabbits? That's amazing. She goes, listen, I went out in the forest. I saw rabbit tracks. I followed the rabbit tracks. I saw the rabbit. I shot the rabbit. Let's eat rabbit, and they did. The next day, the redhead said, I want some real meat, so she went out, and it took her eight hours and when she came back, she was drying, grind, uh, dragging the hind quarters of a deer. And this girl had it on her back like a beast. And, and the girls go, how did you do that? This is amazing. She goes, listen, I saw the deer tracks. I followed the deer tracks. I saw the deer, shot the deer. Let's eat backstrap. And they did. A couple of days later, they ran out of meat. And the blonde said, I'll go. <laughs> she didn't come back for 24 hours. And when she finally came back, her lip was busted, her eye was black, her arm was in a makeshift sling, she's dragging one foot. The girls are like, my goodness, what happened to you, girl? She said, I went hunting too, and I saw the tracks, I followed the tracks, I saw the train, got hit by the train. <laughs> Thank you, I'll be here all weekend. <laughs> Try the coffee. I'm probably not getting invited back, but it was fun. <laughs> Your hair is important. 
Whenever I study your body, I learn more about the creator. When I learn more about the creator, I understand divine purpose. Your purpose for living is all wrapped up in your identity and your identity is partially in your creation, who you are, what you are, humanity. It helps and it reveals God's plan for you. Do you know in the time of Christ, during the time of the story we read just a moment ago, that a woman's hair was considered her glory? reserved only for her husband, covered up until she was home. Only the young girls who were unmarried would run around with their hair flowing in the breeze, trying to attract their future spouse. But the, the married women would cover their hair because it was their glory. For a man, his beard was his honor. Men would do an, an oath by their beard. By my beard, I will get this job done on time. The only men that didn't have beards were slaves. Because a slave's honor was his master. And the master's beard covered the slave. And the master's bride's honor covered the slave. But those who were free had beards. Huh. Did you know that hair was used in worship? Yeah. The Israeli girls, the beautiful little unmarried girls, when the armies would come into the city victorious, they would stick their hair out of the windows. And if they're on the balcony, they'd stick their hair over the balcony. Or if they're in the streets, they just let their hair loose and free. And they would shake their hair like this. You can't see it, but my hair is shaking spiritually. They would shake their hair and go, that's where that sound came from. Do it with me, ladies. One, two, three. That was so weak. How are the Packers going to win when you're doing this? Let's do this right now in the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Very good. They would do that and, and they would celebrate. And here's what they were saying. We're going to shake our heads and allow the glory that God has given us to shine because he's given us victory in battle. God has given us his glorious victory in battle. We're going to give it all back to him in celebration. Mm, I can preach that right there. Sometimes you're sitting at your desk and things aren't going the way you want them to go. Maybe sometimes you're in school and you're like, dude, they just pulled a pop test on me. I don't know what I'm going to do with this quiz. Or maybe you got a, a contract and you're like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to fulfill this contract. Sometimes you might just need to shake your head at work and shake your head at school and shake your head in your home and say, you know what? The Bible says this, no matter what comes against me, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in creation shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Sometimes you need to shake your head. Lean over your neighbor and say, shake your head, baby. <laughs> shaking your head's easier than shaking your booty. Relax. There's so much about your hair that helps us understand this story. Did you know that your hair tells your story? It tells everything I need to know about you is in your hair. Did you know that? You're looking at me right now, but your hair is testifying right now. I can do what's called a variable number of tandem reports, a DNA test. That's deoxyribonucleic acid. Hey, I know stuff. Now I'm a doctor. You can trust me. I can do a VNTR and I can determine in 90 days whether you've had drugs in your system just by a little bit of your hair. When it's medicinal. 
I can determine in, from six months if you've had drugs in your system by testing the hair from your scalp. And I can take a pinch of hair this big off of your skin and determine whether there's been drugs in your system for a year. I can taste, I can test your hair and determine where you live by the water table or, or the water system that is in your community. I can determine whether you've been healthy or sick by the thinness or the thickness of the, of the hair strand. I can determine whether you have the right nutrition by the brittleness or the flexibility of the hair on your head. Everything about you, I can learn from your hair. You don't even have to open your mouth. Your hair is already telling your story. It's speaking for you right now, where you live, who you've been hanging out with, who your friends are, who is the father. All of that is in your hair. Isn't that fascinating? It could be said that your hair is your history. So let's go back in time in history. Mary, this woman comes to Jesus while he's hanging out at a religious leader's house and all of a sudden pandemonium breaks out. She's weeping. She washes his feet with her tears. That's a lot of tears, y'all. I don't know about you, but my life ain't that bad. And she dries them with her hair. This scene is not normal. I know some of y'all like me, you know, I used to read the Bible and think, everything that happened to Jesus, that was just common. Jewish people are different. No, none of that was normal. It was strange back then. They thought these people were, come here, Pastor Barry. They thought these people were crazy. This is what you get for sitting in the front row. So let's reenact the scene, shall we? Come on, white chocolate. <laughs> so here we have Jesus. Everybody say, hey, Jesus. Hey. I love me some Pastor Barry. So here's, here's the scene. Can we reenact it? Wait, wait, wait. Y'all don't know what I do. In my church, when I say, can we do it? You go, yes, we can. Can we do it? You go, can we do it? Okay, so here we go. <laughs> Jesus is at the door. So when, when you knock and I'm going to knock. Ready? A Pharisee named Simon comes to the door, opens it up. Ah, 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 it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's so excited. He runs Jesus in the house. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, wow! He forces Jesus at the table. Gee, you have to get on your knees real quick. I know we're older. It's hard to get down there. Come on, come on. you can get down there. Hallelujah. Gloria de Dios. Now, Jesus is down. And Jesus is chilling. And a woman shows up. Sad woman. Come over here, Jesus. Miserable woman. Broken-hearted woman. She grabs a hold of Jesus. And we think this story is fake. But this is true. 
How you going to double knot your shoe? <laughs> Jesus don't do this. So Jesus comes to the table. The Bible says she weeps on his feet. (laughs) And then she wipes it with her hair. And then the Bible says she was ki- ki- kissing his feet. This little piggy went to market. This little piggy went home. This little piggy had roast beef. This little piggy went wee 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 all the way to the rabbi's house. I mean, this was not just a fake scene. This was real. Let me show you what happened. Just leave your shoe there. Come up with me. Come on. I'm going to go over here because I can't jump anymore. I used to be able to, I used to believe I could fly. Now I don't. <laughs> Jesus <coughs> comes to Simon's house. And Simon is so excited, in my, in my opinion, that he gets Jesus to the table so quickly. And that when the woman comes, everyone seems to be offended by what she's doing. But let me show you what should have happened. What should have happened is Simon opens the door. It's Jesus. He goes, oh, my brother, Jesus, shalom. 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 And they would kiss each other and say shalom. And they would also put their hips together like this. Put your hip out. They would bump their hips like this. That's, that's a traditional greeting in Galilee. And these hip bumps mean this. I have no weapons. I form no weapons against you. And they would greet each other with peace. And then he would allow a servant or he himself would present a bowl so Jesus could wash his own feet. And then he would come to the table. It's called the triclinium, a three-sided low table. And if Jesus was being what we call where we come from, bougie, he would kneel like this if nobody washed his feet. But since Simon didn't give him water to wash his feet. Jesus didn't even kneel. The Bible says he sat, he reclined at the table. So go ahead and recline. This is how Jesus sat at the table. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And while he's sitting at the table, that's when the woman comes. That's when the weeping begins. And the Bible says this. Thank you, my brother. I'll give you your shoe back. You're handsome and intelligent, and I'm grateful. (laughs) Now I'm getting serious. I got three minutes. (laughs) So when this woman, come on, play some music, make me sound spiritual. When she got down on her hands and knees and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped his feet with her hair, the people in the room were like, ugh. And the owner of the house was like, ugh. Jesus, 
You're letting this woman touch you? She's nasty. She's dirty. She's a street person. Why would you let this person? You're supposed to be a religious leader. Why would you let her touch you? Why would you let this happen? You see, back in that day, they knew Jesus to be the Messiah. They, they believed he was the Messiah. And no great religious leader, especially a Pharisee, would let somebody who is socially and, 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 and spiritually unclean physically touch them, especially at their feet. The feet of a man was part of his intimacy. He would never let that happen. And so Jesus is sitting there and all this is taking place in men's minds. And Jesus knows the hearts of men. And he says, you don't understand love. You don't understand mercy. You don't understand restoration. I am restored. You don't understand it, guys. And he explains what it means to be forgiven. And he explains what it means to be in love. And it was only then that I think Simon understood. Why was Simon so upset that this woman showed up in his house? Was she a stranger to him? No. Close study of this scene, Simon knew that woman and not in the way you might imagine. How did Simon know she was a sinner? How would he judge her that way? That's not Pharisee's job. Why would he judge her like that? Well, let's, let's do it like this. Um, Simon had a son. He died. Four days later, Jesus shows up and raises him from the dead. He shouts his name and tells him, come forth. What name did he shout? Ooh, there's some smart people. You know, this is the first service. Everybody going to heaven in the first service. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus had a sister. She used to bake and cook and serve Jesus. And she often would take care of Jesus and give a lot of money to Jesus. What was her name? Martha. Martha had a sister who was in love with Jesus. And everywhere Jesus went, she was found at his feet. What was her name? This is Mary. Hold on, hold on. This is Simon's daughter. So since this girl who's weighed down by sin, I love the way Luke says it, a woman weighed down by sin, a woman who'd made all the mistakes you can make in community and society, a woman who people look down on, she's the one that came into the house of a Pharisee. What other sinful woman would walk in the house of a millionaire religious leader? She gets in the house and she's wiping Jesus' feet with her tears in her hair. And, and Simon goes, oh no, oh no. Oh no, now you're gonna hear his conundrum and why he said what he said. He said, oh no, this isn't the Messiah. Jesus can't be the Messiah. He can't be the restorer of all things. He can't be the one that puts things back together. He can't be the one that fixes this world because if he was even a lowly prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. She's making him ceremonially and socially unclean. And no good leader would let anyone do that to them. And Jesus corrected Simon. I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, because it condemns all of us. It's an equal opportunity insulter. It says this, do you not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's us. Don't be deceived. 
neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. By the way, that's every last one of us going to hell. Simon thought that when his daughter put her hair and her tears on Jesus' feet, that she was making Jesus ceremonially and socially unclean. But he was wrong. He was wrong. See, you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10 and say, well, man, you know what? I need to be judging people then because everybody's messing up and I need to judge them. Keep reading because 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says this, and such were some of you. Look at your neighbor right now and say, that's what I were. That's bad English, but it's good preaching. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what I were. But you were washed, the Bible says. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, Jesus had this woman come to him and her hair should have been glory, but it was pain. Her hair should have been victory, but it was loss. Her hair should have been success. Oh man, it was defeat. If I could pull a hair off of your head, what song would it sing? What story would it tell? What testimony would it produce? Would your hair tell a story of depression? Would it tell a story of brokenness? Would it tell a story of suicide? Would it tell a story of you saying, man, I don't think I'm gonna make it this week. I don't have the strength to go another day. What story is your hair taking? Here's what I've come to tell you. If you take your history and put it on Jesus Christ's feet or a place of intimacy, he will restore you. He will heal you. He will change you. He will bless you. Watch this. That's what some of you were, but you were washed. Your hair was washed. You were sanctified. Your hair is cleaned up. You were justified. That means you were anointed with oil. That means this. That means that you have a conditioner up in that hair. That's another level. You got some Aquanet holding you together. Because when, G when Mary put her history on Jesus' feet in intimacy, she didn't make Jesus dirty. Jesus made her clean. He washed her. He transformed her. And he's still doing it today. Maybe you're here right now and you're saying, Alan, man, my hair hurts. My history, my, I failed before. Maybe you feel like Simon and you've got your children with you and you're like, man, I wish I would have been a better dad. Like Simon wishes he was a better dad. And I wish I was a better parent. There's no manual for parenting and we make mistakes. But it doesn't stop the guilt from coming in, does it? I want you to know that Jesus is in the business of restoration and he can take our best efforts and make them great. He can take our worst failures and turn them around into victory. And he will do it for you today. Will you pray with me? Because I want to pray for you. With your head bowed all over the room. Maybe you're here right now and you say, Alan, include me in that prayer. Man, I've made mistakes and I've got failures that I need forgiveness for. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. 
Maybe you're here and you go, Alan, I feel guilty because of the mistakes I've made in my past and how they've affected other people and even the next generation. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it up. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me as well. If you're in a difficult situation, you're in good company because all of us are in need of restoration. Take your right hand and just put it over your heart. Say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness to take away all my failure, every sin. I give my life to you now and forever in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for my friends all over this room, God, that you would empower them with restoration. Lord, your word says this, that you will make all things new, that you not only, restoration doesn't come out of your ability, restoration comes out of your abundance. It's beyond what we can imagine, ask, or even think of. And Father, I pray that your restoration would flow over all of my brothers, all of my sisters, all of my friends in this house, and online streaming, and in the Brown County Correction Facility, all over our nation in Jesus name and everybody say amen 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 will you give Jesus a hand right now because he is awesome if you had a bad hair day it's over you're new this is good and and you know what even though we've had a bad hair week I'm believing Packers are gonna win today in Jesus name I'm just saying, I can pray for the Packers. Don't look at me like that. My prayers don't work for the the Detroit Lions. They only work right now for the Packers. (laughs) Before we go, Pastor uh, Sean wanted me to tell you a little bit about our ministry that we're going to have an opportunity to be uh, so very generous and invest in. You are such a generous church. Thank you for your generosity. And today, if it's okay with you, I'd like you to empty your pockets for orphans. It's going to be awesome. We're going to transform lives. You see, nearly 10 years ago, my wife and I had a dream, and we woke up and wrote a program out that we've launched now in in four locations called Accelerate. Accelerate is a 16-week life skills program for students and their teenagers in foster care that are about to come of age. And when they come of age, 60% of kids in foster care end up homeless, in prison, or dead within a year. God gave us a heart to reach them and to serve them with training and Bible so that they would understand what it means to be men and women of the community and men and women of faith. Did you know that over 80% of sex traffic victims are foster children? We are healing that problem from the inside out. We have put over 150 kids through our program. It's really cool. We teach them everything from how to go shopping for healthy food, how to cook, to what a Bible is and what do those numbers and words mean at the top of the screen? All the way up, 95% of our kids accept Christ for the first time in our program. It's amazing. <laughs> They're baptized in water. And if you know anything about this, after that, over half of them are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We call those kids bilingual. It's really cool. And man, it's, it's just been life-changing. We've put over 150 kids through our program in the last nine years, just in our one initial location in Daytona Beach, Florida. My favorite part is at the end of the training, every student who graduates receives a well-running used car. Do you know that over the years, you've helped me present and give away five cars 
to kids in foster care that came of age and went to college and jobs. Do you know that you helped me support a Haitian young lady, a Haitian American young lady that went to Brown University. We have a, a, a straight up Ivy League foster girl kicking butt at Brown University because you helped us. You're awesome. You should feel good right now. Well, I need your help. In a few weeks, it's Christmas, and it's that time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And um, we're gonna have between 35 and 45 students that come and celebrate Christmas with us because they have nowhere else to celebrate it. If you want more information, you can always go to our table and talk to us or get our brochure or go to our website. Um, but we need your help. We wanna bless these kids for Christmas. It's nearly $10,000 for us to put on our Christmas event for our kids. It's a party. They don't have family to go to do Christmas with. They don't have anyone to celebrate with. We are their family. And this is part of the reason why I get to travel is I get to share the need of these kids and let people like you reach in their pocket hard-earned dollars and sow it into these kids so that they can be blessed. Thank you for what you're about to do. Maybe your business goes, man, I'll sponsor Christmas. I got that covered. Man, that'd be so amazing. But I know this, with many hands, it makes light work. And every dollar you give helps us transform a generation. And I stinking love you. I'm going to hug you no matter what. You're going to get a big brown sweaty hug at the back. I'm sorry if you don't like it. It's just going to happen. I'm going to turn your white chocolate into milk chocolate. But I'm so grateful for you and what you've done to help us reach a generation. Um, I'm not going to show the video, Pastor. I'd like you to come. We'll show the video in the next gathering. If you'd like to see it, just stream online. Um, you'll get to see the video of the actual program at work um, that multiple state entities have partnered with now to see kids changed all over the country. I love you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.